0: Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we're talking offensive players from the NFL Scouting Combine, how they might fit with the Buccaneers, and where they might fit with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bucks Nation? Welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm your host for today's episode, David Harrison, and joining me today uh, for the for the first time in a long time is Evan Winter. Of course, both of us writers over at BucksNation.com. Find me on Twitter at dh82 underscore bucks. Find Evan at Evan underscore Winter. Find everything we're writing over at Bucks underscore Nation. Of course, find the show at Locked On Bucks. Evan, I feel like it's been about a third of the year since we last talked on the show. How have you been?
1: I've been good, man. And right, it's been way too long. I hope you've been doing well on, on your end as well.
0: Yeah, you know, I've I've been doing well. Um, I had a nice little kind of a last spurt of, of trips that the army decided to send me on before uh they let me retire and, and move about my business as a as, as a full-fledged civilian in this great country. Um, I've got one more trip coming up. We'll see what kind of wrench that throws into things. It shouldn't be too much of a wrench, but, but we'll see. We'll play it by ear. Uh, but we're back, and of course, when when you're on the show with me, our focus is the 2020 NFL Draft, specifically the prospects that are going to be on the board and available in Vegas for Jason Light and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to add to this amazing roster that everybody kind of feels like is on the edge of, of a playoff berth if they can just get a few things. Now, we're not going to do – so those of you who have heard I've been on the show before with me, we're not going to get into kind of our little mini-scouting reports and what we've watched on film, you know, uh, air quotes YouTube. But what we're <laughs> going to talk about is specifically kind of recap a little bit of the combine performances, and then we're going to get into where these players are being targeted in some of the in our minds and in some of the mock drafts that we've seen around there, and how they might help the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So we've got three each. Evan, um, I, I was going to let you pick which one you went th- went to first, but I want to hear about Jawan Jennings. Um, because he's a Tennessee guy. You're a Tennessee guy. You cover the Tennessee volunteers in another life that I will let you plug if you, if you so choose. Um, so i about this guy. He is someone that I've, I've heard some interest in from around kind of the drafts, the scouting world. So I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about him. So I'm going to ask that you start
1: in Tennessee with Mr. Jennings. Oh, that is no issue on my end whatsoever. Um, so what I did, I put you a little... A little bit of a caveat first. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I used I, – my other two players are going to be earlier round picks, and right now there aren't too many updated mock drafts with um, a full seven rounds in them with all 32 teams. So I used the post-combine mock drafts for the other two players. However, I couldn't provide that same context for Jennings, so I looked up other sources. So it'll be you'll – hear, you'll hear different sources from compared to uh, Jennings to the other two guys but I just wanted to kind of put that out there. But anyways, um, Jordan Reed of the draft network has him as the 159th best player in the entire draft, so that puts him right around the end of the fifth round. Um, He doesn't have him inside of his top ten receivers. Um, Pro Football Network, their uh, full seven-round mock draft they did um, a, a little bit before the combine had him at round six, pick 183 to the Lions, Matt Miller, when he did his right after the Super Bowl uh, bleacher report, had him going round four to 144 uh, or 144th overall to the Bears. Um, He ran a four point seven three at the combine, which obviously isn't ideal. However, none of that matters because Juwan Jennings is the man, and I'm not saying this as a Tennessee fan. I'm not at all this is all bias aside. This guy would be absolutely perfect in this offense, especially as a slot receiver, um, working the inside, uh, possibly um, a fourth receiver, something like that, and also as a blocking. Uh, he could to- not a blocking receiver, but as a receiver who can block. Um, he is gritty. He, you know, uh, Bruce Arians talked about. Um, Receivers that can go over the middle, and make those grimy catches in his offense. That's Juwan Jennings to a T. The dude, I mean, you can't tackle him. He's almost impossible to take down once he gets ahead of steam going. And it's not like his 4'73, it's not like he drops speed when he gets onto the field. Um, you know, some players might run a 445, but when they put the pads on, they run a 462 or something like that. Juwan Jennings, when he gets on the field, he is all part, he has every bit of that four seven three. Um, you can tell he has some explosiveness and strength in his legs by his hundred 19 inch broad jump. Um, but again, it's just, it's all about the fight with this guy, man. And uh, you want to talk about adding some attitude to the roster. Him and Mike Evans, dude, they will be best friends and they will win any bar fight in Tampa Bay. I promise you. Um, they would just be, unre- he would just inject a whole new level of toughness into this team. Now, he does have concentration issues at times. Uh, he has dropped some really easy passes over his career. And He got kicked off the team a couple years ago for the rant, the really bad rant about um, Tennessee's coaching staff after Butch Jones got fired. And it wasn't in defense of Butch Jones. Please don't think that. (laughs) Um, And he also had the issue – he was suspended for the first half of Tennessee's bowl game this past year against Indiana because he – It wasn't determined officially malicious, but he stomped on a Vanderbilt player's head um, while they're on the sideline. And look up the video. I promise you it's not as bad as it sounds. Um, Now there is, you know, it was a bad decision for him to get into that position. But you don't I don't really think there's malicious intent there. However, it was enough for the SEC to suspend him for a first half. So regardless, man, either way, the dude's an absolute trooper um he can run good routes and like i said he would just be a really good addition he'd be a late round pick um obviously probably going the sixth round um that's where i would think he would go um and he could like i said he could help the bucks in the running game by blocking like i said he could work the inside um and kind of maybe provide some relief on the third or fourth role um receiver if especially if brashad Perryman doesn't come back
0: that uh, that's that's a lot of absolutely outstanding information and i'll tell you as far as you know Uh, The stomping on the player, obviously, you never want to see a guy kind of cross the line from controlled violence within the game of of football and and going outside those lines. Uh, But we've seen before in the National Football League, obviously, Ndamukong Sue is a player that every Buccaneers fan is now familiar with. If they weren't before, um, then they just weren't paying attention to anything outside of Tampa football. But, you know, if a a professional player can come in and stomp on players, kick players here and there, get lines, get forgiven and have the opportunity to redeem himself, I don't think we'll hold too much of a, of a grudge against, uh, against Mr. Jennings there for youthful indiscretions. Cause again, remember these guys are amateurs, they're kids. That's what we call them, right? They're, they're kids in school and they're amateurs. So if that's, if that's the, the, the measuring stick that they're going to have held against them. Um, then I, then I think that's the, the amount we can hold against them as well as, Is is gotta be altered to there. Now moving forward, obviously players are apparently going to get paid. So maybe we got to stop calling them amateurs, but, mr jennings and the rest of these guys they still qualify as amateurs so let's not hold that's what guys did uh, as amateurs unlike the nfl did with terrell prior when he came out of ohio state but moving on very good evaluation <laughs> yeah. by you mr winner uh, <laughs> i'm gonna start my group with another wide receiver here and that's fine uh, because I think earlier in the offseason, a lot of people didn't really see wide receiver as a need for the Bucks. but I think what we're kind of demonstrating here is that it really is kind of a need. I mean, not a day yeah. one need, you know, by mean, by any means, but the fact that we're in such a stacked wide receiver class this year means that this team can address the wide receiver need that they have, but do it using later draft capital than they probably would have to in other draft years because of the amount of talent. And I'm looking at my guy, Chase Kay- Chase Claypool, can't call him my guy if I can't say his name, out of Notre Dame where James Yarko is going to be taking his son this weekend to win hockey championship number two for the year. Uh, But the Golden Domer, Chase Claypool, came into the NFL scouting combine, ran a 4-4-2 40-yard dash, which is seventh best among the wide receiver group. But let me tell you something. Chase Claypool is is 6'4", 238 pounds. That is absolutely – that is ridiculous. That is absolutely yeah. ridiculous. To put that in context, context, Bucks fans. Mike Evans is 6'5, 231 pounds. All right. Imagine Mike Evans running a four four two forty. He ran a four five three at the combine. For those of you who want to look up his combine time, he ran a four five three. 3. Claypool ran a four four two, 2, an inch shorter, seven pounds heavier than Mike Evans, uh, 40 and a half inch vertical. Uh, testing in the realm of guys like Henry Ruggs, not in the 40, don't do don't match their 40s, but in other areas, he, he was kind of in the realm there of Henry Ruggs and Justin Jefferson. So this is a guy who's testing the data, providing the data that's right there really in kind of the nucleus in the group of a lot of these top guys, but he's not getting that top guy love. He's a little bit higher than a guy like Jawan Jennings, but you're looking at him probably in the late second round, possibly in the early third round, kind of depending on when the first run on wide receivers goes. That's really going to be kind of the determining factor. If only three receivers go in the first round, then you might see Claypool be a guy who slips to the very end of the second round, maybe available. Early. Uh, and kind of the same thing you were saying, Evan. I mean, he, this is a guy who's a scrapper. He's a fighter. He knows how to play outside. He knows how to play inside. You put him outside, he's obviously got the physical uh, the physical attributes of any cornerback in the National Football League, and he knows how to use his size to gain possessions or positioning against defenders. If you put him in the slot, I mean, is there a slot defender in the NFL that could possibly stand a chance against a guy that big who runs a 44240? Four, four, I don't think there is. Put a linebacker on him. Okay, fine. He's just gonna run around him because he's got the athleticism. Some of the knocks on Chase is that he wasn't necessarily able to get off the line of scrimmage clean against press coverage, kind of relied on his size a little bit more than maybe he should. But I don't know, man. If we if you have you look at any real physically gifted player, I mean by build, right? Uh, Chase Young had some some knocks on him early on in his college career that he just used his raw ability to, be, to beat guys across from him instead of using technical skills until he started getting double teams in Columbus, and that's when he started building those technical skills. I think Chase Claypool is the same way. I think he's a guy who's going to be open to mentoring, to molding, to coaching. And honestly, who better to teach a 6'4", 238-pound fast receiver how to play in the National Football League than Mike Evans, who's about the same size, slower but has had made a a very solid career i think everybody would agree um in the mock drafts dane brugler one of my favorites from the athletic has him going in his latest his post combine mock draft has him going late in the second trevor sikama had a had a mock draft come out shortly after the combine he has him going earlier in the third round this i'm kind of looking at as a potential you know make your second round pick maybe trade back up into the end of the second round or trade up early into the third round using that compensatory pick that we were assuming they're going to get, or maybe by using a trade by moving Cam Brate. There's a lot of people who think maybe the Bucks are going to move O.J. Howard. If you move O.J. Howard, you might be able to get a second straight up for him, and you're essentially shipping O.J. Howard somewhere else, drafting a guy like Chase Claypool potentially to add to that, that wide receiver group. And now you've got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Chase Claypool, uh, if if Scotty Miller comes back and can get back on the kind of the line that he was on, Justin Watson looks like he'll get another opportunity to maybe show some some of that potential that he had coming out of Penn. But either way, a lot like like your guy Juwan Jennings, he adds immediate depth. To the, potentially, could be a guy that could really turn into a weapon, no matter who's throwing the ball, because it's really hard to miss a wide receiver that sounds. Um, So, yeah, so Chase Claypool, one of the guys I was looking at and did very well for himself in Indianapolis.
1: I was reading a little bit of him while you were talking and also – Uh, just kind of looking at a couple of his highlights and I mean, dude, can you, I mean, red zone threat, that's the first thing that comes to my mind, match this dude up in the red zone and it would be he would be unstoppable. Um, and also it'd be like whenever Vincent Jackson was still around with Mike Evans, they called him the twin towers. Uh, you know, that was pretty awesome. I I like that. So that would be cool, man. I'd be down for that for sure. Yeah. Oh, most definitely. Um, all right. So
0: who are you going to give us next?
1: All right, so like I said, these guys are day one and day two guys. So, and it's funny that you use Brugler and Sycama. That's two of the four um, mock drafts that I use to kind of position because we talked about, you know, how we're going to do trends for them and all that stuff. So, anyways, my day one guy um, is Andrew Thomas. He's he's kind of gotten lost in this whole sea of super crazy athletic tackles and Mikayi Beckton and Tristan Wurfs, and then Jidric uh, Willis is just. Rated very, very highly, um, which is pretty crazy because I just I didn't really hear much about him last year. But like I said, I don't pay a co- to co- I don't pay attention to at college as much as most people. But regardless, tested really, really well at the combine. Um, how he helps the Bucks, I mean, that's pretty obvious. He's can play right tackle. Um, Lance Zerline of NFL.com said he might be better off starting at left tackle just because he's athletic and there's a need. But, hell, if he can play right tackle, there's a need at right tackle for the Bucks, So, that makes sense to me. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. He, he's he been targeted. Let's see. Like I said, um, CBS had him at ninth. Sikama had him at 14th. Uh, McShay had him at 29th with ESPN. And then Bruegler had him at 11th. So he's been pretty much all in that. Three out of those four have him in the 9 to 14 range. Um, obviously, I like Travis, Trevor's choice the best. Uh, and um, McShay has him fallen all the way to the back of the first going to Tennessee, which makes sense since they might lose or are probably going to lose Jack Conklin. Um, but you got to like what you get in the kid. Um, he's not as explosive as Tristan Wirfs or uh, Makai Beckton. Obviously, his his lower body isn't as strong, um, but uh, he's very technical, technically sound, and he has a lot better agility. And he's got some pretty decent lateral movement. Um, and like I said, he tested really well in most of the tests outside of the twenty uh, yard shuttle. So, like I said, he's just kind of gotten lost in this in the sea of. Of really athletic tackles, and I think that's a good thing for the Bucks. Even though the Chargers just traded Ros- Russell Okung today, which kind of puts things under a microscope a little bit more. Yeah, that's uh,
0: that's definitely a trade that, that caught my attention as well. Well, a reported trade, because they can't effectively do that yet, but right, yeah, some things and can definitely have some ripples into the NFL draft landscape. So you know, we'll have to keep an eye on that. But Andrew Thomas, yeah, like you said, is a guy who's who's kind of gotten lost in the mix a little bit. There's so many really good offensive tackles in this, or offensive linemen just in general, in the early part of this draft that Andrew Thomas almost kind of seems like the odd man out. I've seen him as far down as, I think, 22nd or 23rd in a couple of mocks. Now, those are pre-combine, of course. And, of course, we saw pro days coming, and then free agency is going to answer a lot of questions. But, yeah, to see a guy like Andrew Thomas, you know, t- how top-heavy this class is at the offensive line, he's probably a guy who's a lock for like a top-12 pick. Most years, but in a year like this, could slip to the edge of the fifteen of the top fifteen, which means he could definitely fall in the laps of Jason Light and, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, similar to the way that OJ Howard did uh, when he was drafted. So, my next guy, I, I'm kind of torn between who I want to go with next, but I'm going to go ahead and, there, and there's going to be some fans of this show who are going to who are going to like this pick, and that's running back Cam Akers out of Florida State. And Yo. this is not a, a seminal thing, and, I, and I'm kind of happy James isn't here to talk about this because he would just be booing me through my entire evaluation here. But coming into the combine, Cam Akers is kind of one of those running backs that part of a solid group, but he's not at the top. He's not a marquee player unless you're a Florida State fan. Uh, ran a 4.47 in the 40, which which was fifth among running backs, not bad at all. 20 reps on the bench, putting putting him ninth, and a 125 inch broad jump would tied him at the top with Kelly Bryant. Uh, his performances really just kind of reinforce what his strengths were and should elevate him. And the thing that really stood out when I was researching Cam uh, afterwards and, and finding out what kind of some of the experts thought about his scouting uh, scouting combine performance was Terrell Davis. Terrell Davis is a guy who is known for physical football. He's a guy who made a career doing it, a Hall of Fame career doing it. So for Terrell Davis to really praise Cam Akers as a guy who can run, catch, and block – uh really means a lot, I think, because I don't think Charles Davis is the kind of guy. I know he's a media pundit now, and he's he's on the show, but I still don't think he's just going to throw around those compliments uh like some people do. So to me, that means a lot. And then, like we just said, how can he help the Buccaneers? Uh He can run. Well, he can catch. And he can block, which we all know from the running back position was a problem last year. Honestly, if you're looking at the roster from last year, Rojo, Daria Gumbawale, Peyton Barber, and TJ Logan, if if I'm just lining them up in a lineup, Evan, and I'm saying who's going to be the best blocker of, of the group, I'm looking at Peyton. You're the guy that's got the wide base. You're the guy that's got the thicker hips. You, you're the stockier guy. You're the more solid-looking running back. You should be the guy that can probably take on a linebacker or a blitzing defensive back better. But it turned out to be Dari, and then Dari all through training camp. I mean, I was telling you guys, I was talking about it on the show, uh, and then I was telling you guys, I don't know if you remember, but I said every time they do blitz pickups. Dari misses the first one every single time. The first blitzer he's supposed to pick up, he misses him. After that, he picks him up. And what happened during the season? Routinely, the first time Dari had to do a blitz pickup, he'd miss it. And it ended end up in a sack. it ended up in a rush throw. Sometimes it ended up in a strip. Uh, and it was just something that, for some reason, in 2019, Dari just could not get right was that first blitz pickup. It's almost like he was that boxer in the ring who just had to take one good jaw jacking and then he was in the fight. But until he got hit, he wasn't in the fight. But Cam is a guy that comes in, and he's a guy that's he's ready to block right off the bat. He's ready to do whatever his team needs him to do, whether it's carry the ball 20 times, whether it's catch five balls, six balls, eight balls out of the backfield, or whether or not just blocking against a, a blitz-heavy team that's just raining down sack pressure on a guy like Jameis Winston or whoever. Um, so I, I really like Cam, what he brings into this class, and what he potentially could bring to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as a third-round target and again a fairly talented running back group maybe not the best we've ever seen but i think the middle group is, is is a lot closer than maybe the top group is to each other and i think cam is kind of towards the end of that middle group you talk about guys like jk dobbins you talk about Cam maker is kind of coming after those guys and you might be able to get him in that third round um some mock trends uh he he was in he was going late second uh, earlier now he's kind of going early third trevor had him in his last one going 47th to the, uh, to the Atlanta Falcons. So now you're talking mid-second round from a guy like Trevor uh, Gator alum. you know. So he, he's got no Florida, Florida State seminal bias there. So that's that's kind of an honest evaluation that you can get from him. Uh, but, yeah, man, Cam Akers, if, if he's a guy, obviously I'm partial to J.K. Dobbins, of course. But if the Buccaneers were to grab a guy like Cam Akers there on day two, I uh, wouldn't be angry about it at all.
1: The thing I love most about Akers is that, I mean, obviously everything you said and then he tested well on top of that. But he was able to find a lot of production behind a really crappy Florida State offensive line. And before all you Seminole fans out there start getting huffy and puffy, if you go to footballoutsiders.com, Florida State ranks 105th or worse in every single offensive line metric when it comes to the running game. So yeah. I'm not just saying that, man. It's it's true. The numbers are there. So that's that's what I like the most is he's a creative runner. He's a natural runner. Um, so even if Tampa Bay's line is still so subpar in the, run, in the run blocking game next year, he should be able to find some production if it does yeah. come down to taking him.
0: Most definitely. Yeah, be real seminal guys and gals out there. Oh, well, Buc- not, guys, not, now I'll you're tell you right me now. Me not, now you're our offensive line, our <laughs> offensive line coming out of Columbus was not that great this year. I'll tell you right now. offensive line and the Buckeyes probably win the national championship. Hey, Tennessee's a,
1: well, they're just, they're Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Evan, who do we got next? All right, so man, the more I look up on this guy... The more I like him, and it's Denzel Mims out of Baylor. Um, and people are probably like, man, why are you doing two receivers? And the more I think about this, A, you kind of have to draft a wide receiver this year because you talked about it earlier. It's super deep. Um, there's all kinds of just talent, different types of talent across the board. And most likely you can find some really good value in the middle rounds or the background uh, or the back end of the draft. Um, and then also, the Bucks, I mean, without even without Jameis Winston, might be allocating over what probably twenty five percent of their salary to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin in the coming years. Usually, that's uh, not God, yeah. Usually, that's not very sustainable um, in the NFL. Last I checked, you, those guys aren't going to be together for the next four years. They might be together for like two years on t- tops once their contracts are that uh, that fat. So the Bucks might want to look at taking a receiver early – or not necessarily early, but taking a receiver in this draft it, with the thoughts of possibly supplanting one of those two receivers down the line. Uh, Justin Watson doesn't re- – I'm sorry, I, I just right now him and Scotty Miller, I don't see them ever becoming a one or a two in an offense. Um, so – and Rashad Perryman, I don't think he comes back. I think some teams going to offer him a lot of money. Uh, so – um but the more i look at mims man he can be a great outside receiver obviously he could fit in nicely right now in a you know third or fourth role whatever he would come in and be um he's a great red zone threat uh he's but he does struggle with separation but hey what else is new i mean all the bucks receivers struggle with for separation so no no problems there um but overall just super athletic a great combination of size and speed obviously that's always good at the receiving position um where he or that's how he helps the Bucks um where he he should be targeted right now it looks like the back end of the first round maybe the early second so maybe Tampa Bay trades up or something I don't know um I wouldn't really be that big a fan if they took a receiver in the second or first round um but either way this guy to me just is somebody who stood out from the combine um I think before he was not even anywhere close to a first round pick if I remember correctly he just tested extremely well um But he's just a really interesting guy. That's why I picked him. Like I said, I don't want them taking him in the first first or second. Um, But then, like I said, in the mock draft trends, uh, CBS had him at 30th. Um, ESPN did not have him on their draft. Um, The Draft Network had him at 30th. And then uh, Dane Brugler had him at 33rd. So overall, man, like I said, future pick, not necessarily Mims, but, you know, maybe at 45 if – BPA, and there's nobody else there. Maybe they do take, do something like that, or the third or fourth round, and in hopes of, you know, maybe them taking over down the line. Yeah, Denzel Mims is another one of those guys that uh, I remember my
0: first mock draft, and, and Evan, we were we were all talking about this in the group chat a little bit earlier today about mock drafts and and how much they really you know can can forecast, especially at this time of year before free agency. And and I expressed that you had in like, like the sixth round or something. I did. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what that's what's so fascinating to me is looking at this because college football is over. Like by the time I did my first mock draft, college football is done. These guys are laying down no more tape than they already have. Right. And we hear a lot of times like the senior bowl, you know, matters, but the combine matters, but tape matters more. The the pro name, well, if tape mattered as much as we would like everybody to believe it matters more than all this other stuff, then how is a guy like Denzel Mims finishing his last season in Baylor as a fifth round talent? And then two <laughs> months later, with no college football games having been played, No more tape laid down outside of these things that quote unquote don't matter as much as their tape. How is this do now a first round draft pick? And I love it. And believe me, I'm not, I'm not digging on Denzel Mims at all. When I got, uh, I I got Makai Becton in the second round of my first mock draft and I got Denzel Mims in the fifth or sixth, I felt like a genius. I was like, man, I'm robbing (laughs) everybody here. And now. they're like the bucks aren't going to get any of those guys. Cause they're all top 15 or first round guys in a position that they don't need enough to draft in the first round. So, so yeah, I love what, what Mims has been able to do with his opportunities in these workouts that quote unquote, don't matter as much, but Hey man, I mean, scouts all talk about these things will make you open your eyes and say, you know what, let's go back to the tape and see if we missed something. And apparently everybody missed a whole lot of somethings on Denzel Mims before he started doing workouts.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, going back to Juwan Jennings, I don't know what Pro Football Focus is smoking this day, and don't get me wrong, I love Pro Football Focus; they're very handy. But they had him going for, in the first round to the Green Bay Packers at one point. I was just like, "What?" <laughs> so yeah, it's it's always fun to watch how these things evolve or devolve in a certain sense uh, over the over over the months. Yeah, but hey, I mean, now the way you look at it, Denzel Mims could be on
0: his way to Green Bay, uh, exactly, teamed up there with Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, and that'd be wild. Yeah. So my last offensive prospect that we're going to talk about on this episode and our last one before we get to one voicemail and get out of here. Guys, I had to come up at some point in time. We're going to hit the quarterback position. And for me today on the conversation, it's going to be Jalen Hurts out of Oklahoma. And I know, I know, I know, don't turn off the show. I know a lot of you don't <laughs> like him. I know a lot of people don't like him. Uh, I've got two buddies of mine who I've been in the very beginning, literally the very beginning days of my, of my sports writing, sports coverage, uh, whatever you want to call it. It's not a career right now, so venture i guess we can call it that um one of them was my my very first editor site manager team manager one of them was the one of the other writers that covered the bucks uh, for our for our very little site that we were on they too like i've told them look guys i like jalen hurts i don't i i can't you know i'm not necessarily debunking everything that everybody else is saying but i like the kid and he came into indianapolis he ran a four five nine forty which was second fastest only behind hawaii's cole mcdonald who had a pretty solid combine himself by the way 35-inch uh, vertical, which put him fourth behind guys like Kelly Bryant, Adam, Missouri, Jordan, Love, Just Herbert, and Cole McDonald. And then a 125-inch broad jump with Titan for the best in the class uh, with with Kelly Bryant. Um, you know, I just realized that I have an error with Cam, Cam Akers. Anyway, we're moving on from there. I, I don't know if you guys <laughs> caught that listening to us, but I just caught it. So if you did and you're adding me on Twitter, I got it it's a typo my bad Anyway, what
1: happens, happens. <laughs> that's the worst You're like crap. Uh,
0: but listen what here's what jaylen has shown in his college career he, what Jalen's has shown in his college career is that he knows how to produce really good football he knows how to produce wins he knows how to be successful uh which is kind of one of the reasons that his nfl.com draft comparison is tim tebow but before everybody loses me don't turn off the show yet listen <laughs> Here's the difference between Tim Tebow and Jalen Hurts. Yes, Jalen Hurts is not your completely polished, mechanical like quarterback that you just want to see jumping off of your Madden screen when you when you download the game. Okay, got it. But he showed at the NFL scouting Combine He can make every throw that you're going to ask him to make in the National Football League. The biggest problem with Jalen Hurts right now is mental. And I know Buccaneers fans have already heard that before. They've already, they've already danced. They don't want to spend a third-round draft pick dancing to it again. And I don't necessarily disagree with you. But Jalen Hurts is a guy who every every place he's gone to, every stop he's made, every level he's played, he's gotten smarter, he's gotten better, he's progressed in his play as a quarterback because he wants to learn, he wants to get better as a quarterback. He knows his athletic ability. It's been on display. He showed it at the Combine. Nobody's questioning that. What everybody's questioning is, can he become a full-fledged national football league caliber quarterback? I think he definitely can. He's got the intangibles that you can't coach. What he doesn't have is what you can coach. You can coach it by putting him on the practice field in the preseason, in the film room, in the film room, by keeping that understanding, knowing how to talk it, and that's where I think the Buccaneers have the biggest advantage over a lot of these other teams. Is Byron Leftwich again talking about Jameis Winston's development? Byron Leftwich has done everything that they're going to ask Jalen Hurts in Tampa. So when it comes to teaching Jalen Hurts how to read the field, see the field, think about the game, Byron can help him do that because he's done it. He did it and he can help him again, or he can help Jalen Hurts do it again. Um, There's going to be some Cam Cam Newton comparisons, not like the highest level of athleticism, but I think just because of the style of football that Jalen Hurts plays, there's going to be some Cam comparisons. I think the difference between what Cam Newton did is Cam Newton came into the NFL able to play his brand of football and be successful pretty much right from the jump. And NFL teams knew it, general managers knew it, coaches knew it, so they kind of just stayed out of his way, let him be him. Jalen... He can do some similar type things, but he can't do them all, and he can't just be that. So I think that where the NFL essentially let Cam Newton be Cam Newton, and honestly, it's kind of shortened the shelf life of his career we're seeing now uh, significantly, they're going to bring Jalen Hurts in and say, listen, these things you can do naturally, those are great, but they need to be your backup weapons, not your primary. Your primary needs to be your arm and your mind, and we're going to sharpen those things. And if you get all those things in line, it may take a year, it may take two years, it may even take three years, guys. But if it happens, if you get Jalen Hurts to where he can be as an NFL quarterback, then you've got a guy who's got athletic ability and traits that you cannot teach, and you now you've got a guy who has been taught how to think and read the field like a professional NFL quarterback. Absolutely dangerous, dangerous possibilities there uh, with Jalen Hurts. Right go somewhere in the second or third round, the latest, again, Dane Brugler mock draft, had him going to the Raiders in the third I would love to see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers pick him up in the third, put him on the bench, hopefully, whether it's behind Winston, Tom Brady, I don't care. Put him on the bench behind a guy for about a year, maybe two. Pretty much any option that the Buccaneers bring in if the rumors are true, you're talking a year or two. If it's Rivers, you're talking a year or two. If it's Derek Carr, he's got three years left on his current contract, I believe, which means you only, you don't necessarily have to honor all three years of that contract. Uh, Matt Stafford apparently isn't having Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, are you really going to sign him to a five-year deal? I think not. You're probably looking at a three-year deal. That third year probably carries minimal to no dead cap space. Again, if Jalen Hurts turns into the guy in three years from now that we think he could, you can you can move on, and you've got a guy who has been on a rookie contract. You extend him, having never been to a pro ball, all pro, et cetera, et cetera. You're extending him for potential only, which in the NFL means cheap. All right? That's how you keep Mike Evans. You keep Chris Godwin. You keep OJ Howard if you still have him. Maybe you re-sign Rojo if it turns out. And hey, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe
1: bring back Lombardi to Tampa. I don't know. What do you think? Hey, I mean, whenever people say, oh, he's a running quarterback or he has bad pocket presence. You can't fix that, blah blah blah. And I always point to Steve McNair. I mean, that's the that's the first thought that comes to my mind or the first example. He, you know, wasn't the most polished passer earlier in his career. Um, he he tended he tended uh, he was more likely to run the ball than he was or to take off and leave the pocket than he was, you know, stand in there and throw it on the field. And then all of a sudden within a few years, he's winning co MVP of the league with Peyton Manning. So Anytime you you know, people describe a quarterback that way, man, I'm right there with you. You can definitely coach this kid. You can make that. you can fit the offense around him. Now that's a different subject for another day if Bruce Arians and them are actually willing to do that. That's a completely different topic. But you can always mold your offense around the kid, bring him in, um, coach him up. And then just work on those things, such as p- pocket presence, uh, being more patient with your reads um, and trusting your pocket and all that stuff. So other than that, you're right. He's got all the physical tools. And if you allow him to develop and just play him right, you never know what could happen. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's really all I'm saying. I mean, I'm not I'm not expecting
0: Jalen Hurts to be a guy that comes in year one, you know, as a, as a third round draft pick and and light the world on fire. But I mean, hey, at the same time, man, I mean, we've we've seen stranger things happen. At worst, at worst,
1: probably. you'll probably get a really, really capable backup. And, I mean, that's not bad at all.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And it might come in handy depending on on how the 2020 season uh, rolls out. What are you trying to say, David? <laughs> there, there are multiple, <laughs> multiple things. Listen, look, I mean, I, I, again, I don't want to get too deep into, into the in show, is right, but <laughs> it's already been put out there that there was a point in the season where, you know, if, if – blaine gabbert was healthy he would have been put into at least a game i don't know if it's a full blown benching but he would have been put at least into a game uh people have the concerns with tom brady if he's the guy about injuries in his age which are are which are very real uh expect or uh, worries so that could be a situation um matt stafford is going on two years with back-to-back back injuries if he comes out of tampa which i know is is you know slim to none i think right now at this point but if he comes in and gets another back injury then jalen hurts is elevated if Derek Carr comes in, I mean, I mean, you know, that's just kind of one of those anything that can happen type of things. Uh, you know, you could have Jalen Hurts coming in there, and then I mean, Teddy Bridgewater—he's—he's a, he's a dude who had a horrendous knee injury, non-contact on a practice field. Uh, so you know, you never know what can happen. So that's not a direct shot at any one quarterback. Everybody, calm down. <laughs> but Jalen Hurts poor has Ryan, the raw attributes. Ryan, man, poor Ryan. Huh? Griffin. Poor yeah, Ryan. Yeah, poor Ryan Griffin. Um. <laughs> You know, he's got the raw attributes, man. And, you know, I'll tell you, uh never underestimate the power of some of these kids and their learning ability. You know, um, we all judge them off of a few years' worth of tape at, at most. And, you know, this Jalen Hurts could be a guy that comes in, just soaks everything in like a sponge. And through training camp and preseason, he gets some NFL snaps, probably gets his bell run a couple times, throws some, throws some bad passes, makes some bad decisions, get intercepted a couple times. And he may have an accelerated learning curve and in week four or five we may have a guy who comes in and shocks the NFL. I'm not saying playing an MVP caliber football. Don't get crazy, but a guy who's serviceable and and can lean on a defense and hopefully an improved running game to get them where they need to go. But anyway, uh, we got one voicemail that we're going to answer here tonight, Evan. Hey
2: guys, it's Leighton in Tampa. I know it's been a while. Just been laying low um, so far this off season. Anyway, um, had to take the day off because uh, of. Uh, physical issues, but watching the NFL Network of morning football and now reports out there, um, that the Bucks are now likely to move on from Jameis. Um, my mom and I were talking last week and obviously we've been in Tampa since the inception of the Buccaneers and it has been always a constant in a sense, carousel in the sense that they they move on from quarterbacks and then the quarterbacks go on and do well in other places. And then Tampa is sort of set back again when that happens. I have a feeling if that's just what Bruce and Jason are doing, then I think this is a time where it will happen again and we'll be seeing both a GM and a uh head coach gone.
1: Um
2: not wanting that to happen, but if the Bucks can't learn from their own history, then there's a problem, and maybe things need to be evaluated differently. Anyway, as always, go Bucks, and thanks for the podcast, guys.
0: All right, so uh, the Jameis Winston discussion continues. Reports recently coming out of Indianapolis, reading some people reading into. Bruce's comments, some just reading the tea leaves themselves, some former players talking about when the team is committed to a quarterback, they don't play these games, they don't say these things in public, um, so on and so forth. And the possibility that Jameis Winston, if he does leave Tampa, could go somewhere else and find success, postseason success, Super Bowl possibly success with another franchise and be another in a long line of players to leave The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and find Better football grass on the Other side of whatever fence they jump over Evan what are your what are your thoughts on Layton's concerns that this thing's about to Copy paste itself into another Chapter of Buccaneers history
1: I get it you know You you want to learn from your mistakes um, Those Who uh, Refuse to uh, Remember history are doomed to repeat it You know so on and so forth so I, I get that, but at the same time, a you can't live in fear, and b this is a whole different animal. Uh, James Winston's played seventy-two games for Tampa Bay Bucks. Doug Williams played sixty-seven. Steve Young played nineteen. So you've had such a much greater sample size with Winston. Now Williams only played five less games, so I can you got more of an argument there. But Steve Young, I mean, you didn't really know what he was whenever you let him go. Um, nobody really did except for, and that took Bill Walsh, one of the greatest head coaches of all time, to to get him going and to pick him out and recognize him. So you know that's that's just maybe more of an attrib, attribution or more of a uh, what's the word I'm looking here for? I guess salute for a uh, back lack of a better word to Bill Walsh than anything. Um, it's that to me, this whole the, the whole that whole reasoning just doesn't hold with me. Um, also, different regimes at the time. Um, maybe even different owners, if I'm thinking correctly. Uh, not entirely sure on that. I, my knowledge of the history doesn't go that far. Um, but it's to me, I just I don't buy it, man. At the end of the day, and, and those that's my reasons why.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I get it from a fan standpoint, and and you know, uh, Layton, you know, uh, very devoted fan, very committed fan. Trust me, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that they knew how just how devoted a fan they had and you they would uh i i think they would be inspired to to reach out to you and and stuff like that but that's not something i can affect so uh you know just just throw, just throwing that out there um it's it's very reasonable for a fan of a team to look at the entire franchise picture and and kind of draw those connections and, and i understand where you're coming from but what i will say is that from a right now standpoint kind of like what evan said you can't make decisions based off that stuff, and I, I was actually engaged in a little bit of a Twitter back and forth on Tuesday with a few different uh, different people on Twitter, and and all of it, you know, for the most part, pretty respectful. Um, so so I was enjoying it and enjoying the discourse and the back and forth. A lot of it had to do with Derek Carr, but part of it came up was we're going to let Jameis go, and he's going to go do great somewhere else. Great. And my response to that was, and that's not a quote, I'm kind of paraphr- paraphrasing, but my response to that was, listen, if the only reason we have, and, and I say we loosely because obviously we're not making the decisions, but if the only reason we have to keep James Winston in Tampa is because he might do better somewhere else, to me, that's akin to staying with your girlfriend, right? Leighton, myself, Evan, we're all men. If you're a female out there uh, or you know you're a man with a boyfriend, so be it. Flip, flip the terminology however you need to, but that's like one of us staying with our girlfriend or staying with our wives because we don't want to risk the chance she goes and finds a better husband or boyfriend and has a better life than she had with me. That's not healthy, and that's not going. That mentality is not going to make your relationship any better than it is right now. Uh, and, And specifically coming from the quarterback position. This this position is different than any other on the football field for a lot of reasons. We've kind of gone into some of those conversations here recently. And when you talk about the relationship between the team and the quarterback, that's gotta be they've got to be seeing eye to eye. And if they're not seeing eye to eye, that's gonna be a problem. Now on a grade of one to ten, that's gonna fluctuate, right? But if if Jameis truly believes that he's been balling, and, and don't get me wrong. We keep bringing it up and joking about it. I don't think he meant it the way that a lot of us kind of took it. But right. if he believes right. that he's been balling and the Buccaneers believe from a staff po- staff standpoint, franchise standpoint, whatever, that he's been struggling, that's a disconnect, and it's a big one. That is a big disconnect. All right? Um, and the other part of it, too, is, is you talk about all the different wrinkles and why this kind of stuff happens. If Jameis Winston truly believes – that he's a $30 million quarterback. Guys, the, the $30 million quarterbacks out there are guys that are being looked at as, as quarterbacks that are carrying their team to success, okay? There are people right now out there in Packerland wondering if Aaron Rodgers is worth all the money that he's making because it doesn't look like he's carrying that team anymore, okay? If you're going to pay Jameis Winston more money than, than any quarterback in the NFL or as much money as the top three or four quarterbacks in the NFL – then you're paying him to carry your team. If your team doesn't believe that he can carry them, then you're not going to pay him that money. If he believes that he can carry them and that it's everybody else is, is dragging him down, then he's going to want that money. If he goes elsewhere and this is what we were talking about. James and I were talking about if he hits free agency and he goes out into the wide world of, of, of sports and he only finds 22, $23 million offers and the Buccaneers are sitting here with a $25 million offer. Honestly, pride can prevent him from coming back and taking that twenty-five million dollars offer. It really can. Well, it yeah. could actually result in him taking a twenty-two million dollars offer in, I don't know, New England, you know, and going there. And then if Bill Belichick puts a system around him, they they emphasize defense, draft some of those young, uh, some of those young wide receivers that are in the quote unquote best wide receiver class in NFL history. They've already got a pretty solid running back group. Maybe they add a free agent in there as well. And they lean on defense and running game and take Jameis Winston to a playoff. Then every Buccaneer fan who loves Jameis Winston is going to say, listen, that's Jameis Winston doing better over there. But it's not just because he left Tampa that he's doing better. Um, Even some of the most devout Jameis Winston supporters on Twitter that I've seen point to a lack of defense and a lack of running game as a reason why Jameis has struggled and played hero ball. And I will tell you that I agree that that's why Jameis has played hero ball. But here's the thing, guys. Again, if your quarterback needs that top two defense and that top ten running game to make it to the postseason, they're not a $30 million quarterback.
1: And teams make terrible roster decisions all the time. or Not terrible roster decisions all the time, but bad roster decisions all the time. I mean, you look at the Dolphins. I bet players, I bet they regret letting go of Ryan Tannehill you know, last year are basically paying him to leave town. Um, Shaq Barrett with the Broncos. Man, I bet the Broncos are kicking themselves for letting him go. Uh even, you know, you could go as far as the Marshall Falk trade from the Colts to the Rams or Kyle Vandenbosch being signed getting cut early front by the Cardinals and then becoming, you know, one of the better pass rushers in the NFL for three or four years with the Titans. I mean, it, it happens like this type of stuff happens and yeah, you're absolutely right with all your, with your Winston, um, points and everything and yeah he's got to be careful because pride you know what they say pride is the fall of man or whatever the saying is so he could find himself he might find himself in a better position taking 22 million in new england which would definitely be a better position than tampa i hate to say that but it's true um yeah. but again it could put him in a bind that you know couldn't leave him in a worse spot than where he would have been if he just you know swallowed his pride and and did did whatever he needed to do to get a deal done
0: yeah. I mean, and, and you look at another example, you look at the Chicago Bears, you know, um, some of the most devout Jameis Winston supporters have pointed to scheme saying that Bruce Arians, Byron Leftwich's offense is not really that much different when you get to the skeleton of it than from what Dirk Cutter was doing. And I would actually tend to agree with that, that they both have long developing plays. They like to stretch the field. They like to take shots down, uh, down the field and really push uh, or, or, you know, push the envelope to the defense. So let's say he goes to a place like Chicago that does use dump-offs, does use screens more than probably the Buccaneers do. I don't know the analytics on it, but just from watching the two, it definitely seems like the Chicago Bears are an offense that isn't as predicated on getting the ball all the way down the field in one shot than the Buccaneers' offenses. If he goes to Chicago and has a better year, a better touchdown-interception ratio, and the Bears already have a pretty solid defense, and they, if they, they bolster that a little bit, and again they make it to the playoffs, or they challenge for a division crown while the Buccaneers finish Third place in the NFC South with Jordan Love as rookie quarterback. Does Jameis Winston have a better year in another team with another team? Yeah, absolutely. But that doesn't mean that Jameis Winston has a better year if he stays with Tampa. And that's kind of the other thing we talked about. One positive result with one course of action that the same positive result would have happened if you copied and pasted some of the elements into another situation. Uh perhaps this is a situation, guys, where Jameis Winston is better off going somewhere else. And the Buccaneers are better off finding a different quarterback. And as much as that's going to hurt some people to come face to face with, that just might be the, the, the truth of it. Um, I'm not saying it is, but it could be. And if this team decides that that's what it is, then, Hey, I'm not
1: going to argue with Bruce Arians anymore than I think anybody out here probably should be arguing with Bruce Arians. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, I trust them at the end of the day. I mean, I don't fully trust them. I still have my doubts from a few developments from last season. But at the end of the day, I mean, they're pros. They've done this a hundred times before, so they know what they're doing.
0: Yeah. So I think uh, you know. I think I think we've 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 answered that voicemail um, as best as we can right now. Uh, yeah. The the business side and the emotional side definitely clash when you have franchises making deals behind the scenes and fans waiting outside to find out if the jersey they invest their hard-earned money into is about to become worthless <laughs> um and i get it i get the passion guys i really do and, and like i said on this episode i said it on twitter too while i was having those conversations i really do i appreciate all the conversations on social media as i can get to them i had a i i was blessed that day with a longer lunch than usual so i was actually able to sit there and really kind of go back and forth with a few guys and no, i don't think any of us really honestly agreed but just just the, the respectful back and forth of i see your point how about this? Do you Have, have you thought about that? And, and so on and so forth. Uh, it was great. So, Leighton, I appreciate your voicemail. I appreciate your insight and your opinion. Uh, trust me, I wish I could tell you that you're going to get the quarterback you want and you're going to get the result you want. I just I can't promise that to you, and I don't think anybody can. Um, but it's been a great episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. I know that I enjoyed recording it. Evan, again, it was great to have you back on. Uh, come back tomorrow, guys, as Evan is going to be with us again. We're going to talk about six more players, this time from the defense, how they performed at the scouting combine, and how and where they might fit with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Of course, again, you can find me on Twitter at DH82 underscore Bucks. Find Evan at Evan underscore Winner. Find everything we're writing over at BucksNation.com on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation. Follow the show at Locked On Bucks. If you want to share your own thoughts, shoot us a voicemail to 813 444 5841. Until tomorrow, as always, thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked On Bucks.